This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, we're live on the computer machine. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's October 17th, 2023. I don't know why I'm doing that accent, but I haven't been very funny lately, and this is the voice I started doing. What can I tell you? We're uh, on Rumble, we're on Locals, we're on YouTube. Share, subscribe, tap, all that good stuff. Post-game show at Locals at rubenreport.locals.com. And before we do anything, you know, I am not above a correction. I like actually making corrections. I like when you guys actually say, Dave, you might want to take a look at that or anything else. And I do want to make a correction and a, and a public apology, actually, to someone who I've already apologized to privately, but I have absolutely no problem doing this whatsoever. Uh, Julia Hartley, uh, is the British journalist who interviewed Douglas Murray in those two clips that we showed you up top yesterday. Uh, and it sounded like she was asking Douglas why Israel doesn't respond proportionately. And Douglas had, of course, you know, why they don't respond proportionately to the Hamas attacks. And Douglas had a brilliant answer, of course, like, you know, how do you respond? Like, okay, let's get 1,300 of their women and babies and rape and burn them and, and the rest of it. Uh, I was a little critical of Julia uh, without having really understood the breadth of her work. I was just watching from uh, these two clips and qu very quickly, it started in the live chat during the show, which I didn't realize till the end. Uh, you guys all, like tons of you alerted us and in the locals chat and everywhere else, alerted us that she she is quite a good journalist. I've subsequently done some research on her. Turned out that she followed my me. I immediately messaged her and apologized. Uh, and I also mentioned to her that I was gonna do a public apology right now. Uh, so she was basically playing doubles advocate. She wasn't arguing as many MSNBC Hamas TV presenters do that Israel should have a proportionate response. She was playing devil's advocate uh, and, and giving Douglas an opportunity really to show how ridiculous uh, that piece is. Show her Twitter bio for just a second because then very quickly once I found her, uh, she's got a good sense of humor too. She is a journalist, broadcaster, event host, speaker, and woman without a penis. So if she isn't getting enough hate for not being a horrible journalist in a time of moral cowardice, uh, she also doesn't have a penis. So there you go. Anyway, moral cowardice, cowardice actually is gonna be the theme of today's show because what I'm seeing right now is an awful lot of people who are leaning into truth. It's, it's nice for me at least that so many of the people that I've been associated with over the years, the people who I think have been kind of the best of the best, the Dan Bonginos, the Megyn Kellys, the Jordan Peterson types, uh, that they're really shining right now. There's, a, there's a, a morality and a clarity and a historical understanding of the land and the geopolitics and all that, that really they're trying to get out there to the best of their ability, just as I am trying to do the same. Uh, then there's a certain set of people who have completely gone off the deep end and are defending people who would gladly behead them, and it's like, you know, you can put your head in the sand, but you're just gonna get beheaded a little higher up on the neck. That's how it works. Like, it's it's just pathetic. But then there's sort of these people that out of, I would say, cowardice and a sort of inability to say what is true because they never want to offend anyone, 
uh, are actually becoming maybe the biggest problem, right? You know, there was an old uh, line about the Holocaust that uh, it was it was the cowardice of the people just to speak up and say what was right. You knew who the bad guys were, right? Like the Nazis who were running around killing people. It was easy for people to point to that. And that was not actually most people. But it's all of the other people who just do nothing in a, in a time of horror and barbarity. That That is a, a separate problem unto itself. And I want to shine a light on some of those people because I think maybe those people can wake up. I don't think that they're necessarily bad people. I think some of them are a little confused about the history and all that, uh, but some of them have been so bludgeoned by the culture wars, and that's why I'm gonna relate today's show to all of the woke nonsense, the DEI stuff, and largely what's going on with our corporations and everything else, like it has left a generation of us and a culture, an American culture, that doesn't largely know what is good and bad, what are boys and girls, and that the guys doing the beheading generally are worse than the people being beheaded. And of course, I'll give you some solutions, because the solution really, it's not only a spiritual solution and a, and a deep solution within you to stand up for what's right, because no one is gonna come save you, but occasionally we can get some uh, good political leaders to, uh, to usher in some good governance. And wouldn't that be refreshing? And it looks like it's happening right now because uh, Jim Jordan is due. It sounds like, I don't wanna count my chickens before they hatch with this ridiculous Congress, but it sounds like he will become Speaker of the House. So we're gonna get to all of that. Uh, but first, let me talk to you guys about Patriot Supply. Uh, <laughs> this segue, <laughs> you guys get the feeling something unthinkable is gonna happen soon. <laughs> I sure do, but with all the distractions and smoke screens in the media, we probably won't see it coming. That's why it's smart to invest in emergency food today. I have a lot of this stuff, by the way, guys. A wise man once said it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. Uh, My Patriot Supply is the nation's leader in emergency food storage. You can go to preparewithruben.com and you'll save 25% on My Patriot Supply's three-month emergency food kits. You'll enjoy a wide variety of delicious meals, providing over 2,000 calories a day for optimum strength under stress. Stock up now before everyone else panics. Free shipping is automatic and your order ships fast. Go to preparewithruben.com, preparewithruben.com. And now back to me, that does remind me that actually my schedule is cleared for the rest of today uh, because I'm going up, uh, well, I don't wanna say where, but I'm going to uh, buy a couple more guns. We've got some guns, we're gonna buy some more guns and everyone should do whatever they have to do to to take care of themselves and their property and most importantly, their family uh, and their loved ones, so there you go. Okay, so the, the theme, as I said, is sort of moral cowardice and, and how we end up in a Western society that is so good, right? Like everything we've had here, despite the last couple of years of craziness, everything that America has stood for, the freedoms, all the people who've come here, the multiculturalism that actually has worked. We are not a racist society. We are not a bigoted society. We don't. We are not prejudicial towards anyone based on their religion or sexuality or any of those stupid things, right? Uh, but somehow our success has actually left us in many ways from a cultural perspective, unable to delineate between good and evil. So uh, look, I, I don't, I'm not playing this clip to bash Pete Davidson. I have literally never seen a movie. Can someone ma- name a movie he's in? He's a movie star, right? He's in, he's on SNL. I, I, yeah. He's kind of like, Oh, he's just a all right, so he's a comedian. He's on SNL. Uh, Saturday Night Live, and Saturday Night Live was a comedy institution for years. America, I would say at the peak of America, like the the 70s, 80s, 90s, into early 2000s, SNL was like a mirror to look back on us, right? We needed satire to look back on the ridiculous and make fun of our politicians and, and everything else. But you know that most of our comedy and our drama, everything went crazy woke. 
So nobody really pays that much attention to SNL. So I'm using this not to bash this guy, okay? And especially because he talks about how his father died in 9-11 here. But I wanna show you the sort of equivocation that these people make, that it's, they can't really say who good guys and bad guys are. Everyone is sort of equal, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this is Pete Davidson at the opening of Saturday Night Live uh, just two days ago. This week we saw the horrible images and stories from Israel and Gaza. And I know what you're thinking, who better to comment on it than Pete Davidson? <laughs> well, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, I am a good person to talk about it because when I was seven years old, uh, my dad was killed in a terrorist attack. So I know something about what that's like. Um, I saw so many terrible pictures this week of children suffering, uh, Israeli children and Palestinian children. And uh, it took me back to a really horrible, horrible place. And, um, you know, no one in this world deserves to suffer like that, you know, especially not kids, you know. Um, after my dad died, my mom tried uh, pretty much everything she could do to cheer me up. I remember one day when I was eight, uh, she got me what she thought was a Disney movie, uh, but it was actually the Eddie Murphy stand-up special, Delirious. <laughs> Uh, and we played it in the car on the way home, and, and when she heard the things Eddie Murphy was saying, uh, she tried to take it away. Um, but then she noticed something. Uh, for the first time in, in a long time, I, I was laughing again. Um, I don't understand it, uh, I really don't, and I never will, but sometimes comedy is really the only way forward through tragedy. Um, you know, my heart is with everyone whose lives have been destroyed uh, this week. Um, but tonight, I'm gonna do what I've always done in the face of tragedy, and that's try to be funny. Um, remember, I said try. <laughs> and live from New York, it's Saturday. Okay, there's, there's a bunch of things that I want to address here. Sorry, I was fiddling, I'm writing down 100 things that he said there. First off, it's, it's odd that he said his dad was killed in a terror attack. His dad was killed on 9-11. He, he was a firefighter on 9-11 in New York City. I don't know why he just said a terror attack and didn't address that. There probably is some reason why, right? It might make people think uh, who did 9-11, right? And that they have a little something in, in common with the people that just burn babies alive, right? His dad was killed by jihadists, waging a holy war. It's the same thing that is happening right now. So that that's a little bit odd. And again, I just wanna be clear, I'm not making this personally about him, right? It's NBC is a giant corporation. They write this for him. And this is the message they want to get out. He immediately opens by saying that he feels bad for Israeli children and Palestinian children. Now we know, first off, that the Israeli children who were burned to death and are now kidnapped and everything, the intention, the absolute intention was the horror and the savagery and everything else. And it's, and it's just beyond imagination. Heads split open, the rest of it. You've either seen it or you haven't, but it exists, I assure you. The Palestinian children who are dying are dying because of Hamas, right? We showed you the videos yesterday of Israel literally dropping leaflets. Hey, we know Hamas is in this building. Their main headquarters are under a hospital. We, they are using them as human shields. So they fire rockets with kids next to them, right? Which you shouldn't do if you were a civilized society. And then they use them as human shields knowing the Israelis usually won't attack where the kids are, but some kids are going to die. It is, it is just part of war. Uh, by the way, the rockets are still being shot right at this very moment, right? They're still being shot. So when you see 
AOC and Ilhan Omar and other members of the Hamas caucus ask for a ceasefire. It's interesting that nobody's asking. They're not asking. You would, if you wanted this to stop and you thought Israel was just so evil, you'd say to Hamas, hey, all right, you did what you did. Okay, we kind of take it, but we won't say that. Um, how about you just stop shooting rockets? Because then it would make our case better if everyone saw oh, you weren't even shooting rockets. So now it's indefensible. This wouldn't be my argument, but their argument could be now it's indefensible what Israel's doing by attacking. But they're still shooting rockets right now. They still have 200, uh, about 200 uh, hostages. We don't know the exact number. And we don't know how many of them are American. Ilhan Omar, AOC, et cetera, have not called for American hostages to be released. So I play this because he's immediately equivocating. He can't say which one is worse and which one is better. Like, how do you think the comedy scene is in Gaza, dude, when you're trying to be irreverent and fight the power? That's what comedy used to be. It's not what it is anymore, certainly on SNL. Like, do you think they allow that in Gaza? They do allow it in Israel, right? They really do. Uh, so this equivocation, this nothing is better, nothing is worse, no no people are moral, more moral and less moral. It's, it's complete nonsense. Uh, was there anything else I wanted to get to there? Um, so, oh, well, he ends it with everyone whose lives have been destroyed. Like, oh, as if these things are completely equal. So you got it. So, so that's sort of the amoral neutrality that I think we're getting so much of out of, out of our cultural uh, lens. But I want to get into the political part, too, with a couple of videos from some of the members of the Hamas caucus. But before we do that, uh, let me talk to you guys about TWC Health. Guys, I want to introduce you to the wellness company and specifically their medical emergency kit. Awake doctors like Peter McCullough have started the wellness company to build a parallel healthcare system and bring about change in a corrupt failing system. Part of that change is helping you to take control of your health and supporting you through whatever the next thing is that gets thrown our way. Most people don't trust healthcare right now. In fact, 40%, over 40% of Americans say they would avoid a doctor or a hospital unless it was a catastrophic situation. That's where the wellness company's medical emergency kit comes in. Eight potentially life-saving medications for you to keep on hand in times of need, natural disasters, supply chain shortages, medical emergencies, etc. cetera. Uh, rest easy knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, antiparasitics uh, to help you and your family stay safe. The kit includes a comprehensive guidebook so you'll never have to guess how much to take or when to take it. And if you're like me and you wanna make sure your family is prepared for the unexpected, go to twc.health Ruben and use code Ruben, use code Ruben for 15% at checkout. That's twc.health uh, code Ruben twc.health slash Ruben, code Ruben for 15% off. And now back to me. Did I say Ruben enough times there? Okay. So that's sort of the, the, a, the amoral position, right? Like it's a sort of neutral position. And I would hope that over time, and this is why I'm not trying to attack Pete Davidson, that people like him will realize, oh, there's a set of people that would gladly kill you and, and not be for your progressive values or for comedy or for free speech or any of the things that I think you care about, Pete Davidson. But I don't want to attack him on that because you want to welcome these people over. And as I've been saying, I'm seeing it, right? I played clips of The View yesterday where the women were not completely insane. So you want to, it's tough sometimes because they've been wrong on so many things, but you want to try to welcome these people over as they are, you know, kind of ingesting the red pill for the first time. But then there's another, another set of people who are not neutral. They are actually apologists for terrorist organizations. They are usually a group of people who have no sense of what the history is or what reality is or what they would do if their family was beheaded or their child was burned to death. Uh, and at the top of that list, I put these members of the Hamas caucus. And of course, I'm talking about AOC and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. There's about five others of them. Uh, here is AOC doing one of her little handheld videos 
Uh, and she's very concerned. She has not called for the release of the American hostages. She has basically not said anything uh, other than a little bit of lip service about the dead Israelis. She didn't share any videos about the original attack, anything like that. She's mostly concerned. The, the American responsibility, remember, at least 20 American hostages, but the most thing that America should care about right now, it's the responsibility to help the Palestinians. Our responsibility is to the stability and the security of the region. That means being able to support, uh, not support, yes, Israel in its defensive capacities, right, in its ability, in, in, in that context. But it also means that the United States has a responsibility to ensure accountability to human rights, to prevent the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians, and to ensure that horrors do not happen in the names of victims who do not want their tragedy used to justify further violence and injustice. Right. Okay, first of all, she farted at the end of that thing. I don't know if you heard that, but that we did not add that. And many people have done like forensic, this is the beauty of the internet, even in, in terrible times. She legit beefed at the end of that thing. So enjoy that. That's And you know, considering that's what she's spewing out of her mouth the whole time, that's not surprising. So again, her number one uh, concern is the responsibility that America will do something about the Palestinians. She has not asked for the American hostages to be released. Think how in profoundly insane that is. Uh, she gets also very nervous when she has to say anything remotely decent about Israel. But when she even says that they should be, you know, in essence, she's saying we should help them defend themselves. Well, sometimes defense, you cannot play defense all the time with an army. Occasionally, you can't just always be like, okay, they killed a couple of us, we'll kill a couple of them. You can't, you can't do that. If you, in a sport, you can't always be on defense. Soccer, you can't always be on the defensive side of the field. Basketball, you can't always play defense. You gotta score some points every now and again, that's how you win, right? So sometimes a military has to do things. Sometimes they would prefer not to do them because they know that the bad guys will use that so that useful idiots will start screaming about ethnic cleansing and everything else. But I wanna, I wanna show you a video that we played the other day. It's worth repeating and I hope you will share this video with everyone you know. We will make a standalone clip out of this video uh, if we have not already, because this is AOC in 2017, just at the beginning of AOC. And, and she is a character, a character actor, she is a LARPer, she has no expertise in anything. She was a bartender, she's a racist, she's a buffoon. Here she is, listen to her explain. She's very passionate about Israel and the Palestinians, uh, but listen under the most basic questioning, how she folds quicker than a wet paper bag. Geopolitics of and the course. war in the Middle East is very different than mm. people expressing their First Amendment right to protest. Well, yes, but I also think that what people are starting to see, at least in, in the occupation uh, of, of Palestine, is um, just an, an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. And that to me is just where I tend to mm -hmm. come from on this issue. You use the term the occupation of Palestine. Mm. What did oh. you mean by that? Oh, um, I think it, what I meant is like the, the settlements that are increasing in, in some of these areas and, and places where, um, where Palestinians are experiencing uh, difficulty in access to uh, their housing and homes. Do you think you can expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd also just, I, I am not the expert on geopolitics on this issue. You know? Yes, you're a fucking retard. That's what you are. All right, all right. What, I'm trying, I'm trying. You know what I mean? I'm trying. 
Um, she has no idea what she's talking about. The occupation. Can you explain what you mean by the occupation? Well, I just died. But the settlements. Uh, so what she's saying is she doesn't want Jews living in a certain part of the world. Is there any other place on earth that AO would, AOC would say a certain set of people of a certain religion can't live there, especially people who have a bit of a connection to that land, as I've repeatedly said, and don't just follow me on this, check it for yourself. The West Bank, we only call it the West Bank since 1967. It is called Judea and Samaria. That's what it's been called for thousands of years. Judea, you'll never believe who lived there, right? The hills of Judea, that's where the story of Hanukkah, that every freaking secular Jew who doesn't know which way is Wednesday, right? Who hasn't gone to temple in 20 years, they know that the story of Hanukkah is the Jews defending the Judean hills, the Maccabees defending the Judean hills from the Greeks who were the invaders, okay? But even, again, you don't even have to care about the history. It's just very fascinating. She doesn't want a couple Jews having houses uh, in the West Bank. By the way, when we were in Israel about six months ago, we went to the West Bank and it was largely peaceful. It really was. And we went to a winery. It was called the uh, Sagot Winery, P-S-A-G-O-T Winery. And there were Arabs working there and there were Jews working there and Muslims and Bedouins working there. And, it was, and everyone was friendly and nice. That's what these people, that's what AOC would love to fray. There was also, um, remember SodaStream? I assume it still exists. I think it was an Israeli company originally. You could make your own soda. You know, you could carbonate your water or whatever. They had a plant in the West Bank. It was paying extremely high wages to Arab Muslims. And then people like AOC were all for this BDS boycott Israel movement. So they closed the plant and those people lost all their jobs. So that's what they want. But the point is there's no other place on earth where AOC doesn't want a certain people, certain set of people to live because of their religion. It only applies to Jews in the ancient homeland of the Jews. It's a little bizarre, but these people, but we, we shouldn't be surprised is what I've been trying to say to you because so much of leftism has been based on lies and confusions and everything else. And then it leads to horrible policies, right? So when everyone was saying five, six years ago when Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro and a bunch of us were talking about this, everyone kept saying, oh, these are just college kids. When they get out to the real world, the real world will smack them in the face, they'll wake up. But the real world, the real world folded. We now know that. Then what happens? The policies that these idiots vote for do horrible things. Check out this tweet from the Post Millennial. Representative Jamal, Jamal Bowman, this is the clown who pulled the fire alarm in Congress last week, said that the U.S. ought to start bringing in Palestinian refugees. Uh, let me be very clear about this. The U.S. should bring in zero Palestinian refugees. Uh, some people have tried to make this equate, you know, this difference. Okay, well, the Palestinians are the people and Hamas is the government and not they don't all support and whatever. I don't see any Palestinians out marching in these parades wherever they are, or their supporters making a distinction, right? There's very few people at the, at the Hamas parades going, guys, Hamas are the bad guys, stop beheading people, we should have a peaceful movement. There's literally nobody. But if you think our border agents, like if they're like, okay, bring over 100,000 Palestinians, first off, there's absolutely no reason we should do it. Zero, absolutely zero reason, right? Um, but if you think our border agents will be able to ask them questions and delineate how many of these people just want to kill all the Jews or hate America or anything else, like, no, it simply will not work. It's worth uh, seeing this, this image uh, because I've been posting this a lot. I don't know where it came from originally, but if you want the image, you can find it on my Twitter. I tweeted at AOC and Omar and Presley and Tlaib and Bowman and Bush and Caesar and Lee often. Uh, they are the Hamas caucus. They will do anything that will be against America, that will be against freedom. They simply do not care 
about the American hostages, again, even if you do not care about all the dead Israelis, right? If you just don't care about that, I think there's reasons you should because they will not stop with dead Israelis, but they don't care about the American hostages or the dead Americans. Right now they are calling for a ceasefire rather than saying, give us the Americans or America might get involved. I, I'm not even for American involvement other than we should support Israel's ability to defend itself. You get the point. So, so the question is, really, has this rhetoric influenced our colleges or have our colleges influenced this rhetoric, right? This was the long march through the institutions that the leftists, you gotta give the devil his due. They went into our colleges decades ago and they brainwashed generations of people who now know no history and no biology or anything else. So here is a video of NYU students, New York University students. I used to hang down by this area all the time, removing posters featuring missing Israelis. So a group of people put up posters at NYU and it's, it's all over New York City of missing Israelis, right? People whose families have been butchered and killed. And here are these, these tolerant and nobody's illegal and peaceful and diverse uh, Hamas supporters uh, pulling those posters down. Like, think of the gall of this. Again, imagine you're just sort of, you don't, if you don't care about any of this. Uh, and again, I, as I've said repeatedly, like, I care about this. I care about this because I do care about Israel, but actually it's mostly because I care about America and I care about freedom. And these battles, these are no longer local geopolitical battles. These are, these are the battles of our time, right? They, they are, and they're worldwide, right? Why did the Hamas leader call for an international day of jihad uh, on Friday, right? An international jihad, not just like an extra jihad on the Jews, like it was an international one, okay? Um, I wanna throw a close-up of those posters. So these are the posters there in the New York City subway. So they're not calling for death, they're not calling for murder, or any saying anything about a response or anything else. They're just saying these people have been kidnapped. We would like these people back, these young people, these children, these women. They've, ki they've literally kidnapped grandmothers who are Holocaust survivors. It's just, it's just absolutely insane. And everyone should get to know those two gals uh, that uh, we just showed you the picture of. Cause you might, uh, you know, I assume they're NYU students. They probably want jobs one day and you might, well, you'd have to think if you were hiring. Uh, by the way, we are hiring a, an extra uh, editor right now. The Rubin Report is continuing to grow. Uh, can you make sure we don't hire those two chicks? All right, we're putting that down. Um, but it continues at the universities and it's not just the students. Again, the students are the pawns. These kids don't know what they're protesting. They don't know what they're saying. They have been fed lies forever and they're just pawns. You're, you know what it reminds me of? Do you remember, uh, this is a reference I don't make too often. You remember X-Men 3? You remember X-Men 3? What was it called? Someone get me, what was X-Men 3 called? The original X-Men movies, the third one. When the cure, they have the cure for the mutation. Yeah, uh, and at the end, all uh, Magneto, what was it called? The Last Stand, it was called. And at the end, there's all these mutants, that, like the bad guy mutants, Magneto and all the bad guy mutants. And they know that, and they're trying to break into this place to get this other mutant who has the quote unquote cure so that the mutants will no longer be mutants. And Magneto's not happy about this because he believes mutants should be mutants and mutants should live free. Let's put aside the mutant part of this for a moment. They realize there's gonna be a big battle, right? And Magneto has his main guys. Who are, who are some of the main bad guys in, uh, in X-Men? He's got Toad, right, he's got Toad and he's got, uh, who? 
Yeah, he's got Juggernaut and a couple of the other bad guys. And they're all ready to fight right at the beginning. And Magneto says, no, no, in the pawns first. Ian, what's his name? Ian McClellan? How was that, Magneto? That was pretty good. And that's what they're doing. They're, these people are just pawns. You guys are just being used and they don't, you think Hamas gives a shit about the purple-haired douchebag who's out on the streets of Dearborn, Michigan? You idiots. Anyway, it's not just the students. That's the point of all of this. It is coming from the faculty. It is coming from the administration. Uh, here is an image of University of Michigan professor. His name is Eric Gordon. We should all get to know this guy. I'm sure he'd have a lovely life in Hamas. Uh, he has a little gay face. I would say this guy's probably gay. He's got he's got gay face to me. That strikes me as as gay face. Um, here he is tearing down posters of kidnapped Israelis, some of them U.S. citizens being held in Gaza. And if you think that this is not just so, we've seen it in Dearborn, Michigan, and we've seen it in New York City. Um, it's all over the place. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. It's even, believe it or not, and I don't think this will last very long, but I think it was worth showing you, uh, even in the streets of Florida. Yeah, this is even in Florida. Uh, here are Hamas flags and, um, oh, they managed to bring some Taliban flags too. All right, so one very brave young girl with her Israeli flag there. She's not angry at anybody or anything else. Basically, what that flag now represents is, oh, can we survive against a global jihad and a group of people that have wanted to destroy us since the beginning? And these people, uh, free, free Palestine. The implication is not, oh, let's have a two-state solution. It's let's wipe those 8 million Jews off the map. By the way, there's about 2 million Muslims there. They'd have to go down too. All of the, the Thai people, 14 Thai people got killed and blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. Um, but they have a Taliban flag there too. Did you notice that? It wasn't just the Hamas flag. And that is the Hamas flag, by the way. Uh, there is no distinction between the Palestinian flag and the Hamas flag. There's no, again, there's nobody out there who's going, I'm for freeing Palestine. Hamas is a bit much. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. And I want to show you how uh, it's not just integrated in our schools and the faculty like that guy who you should all get to know. Um, it's, it's really all over the place. Uh, so on CNBC Business, they had Mark Rowan on. Now, Mark Rowan is the chair of University of Pennsylvania, Penn, UPenn, uh, their Wharton School of Business. Wharton School of Business, by the way, is, is probably the most well-known school of business in the entire world. Uh, Donald Trump even went to Wharton School of Business. Uh, here's Mark Rowan, you know, proudly and doing the right thing, and it's so refreshing when someone does the right thing, calling out the president of UPenn, her name is Elizabeth McGill, because she refuses to issue a strongly worded statement against Hamas. He, he does a really nice job here, take a look. Well, you, this is your alma mater, so let's, let's just talk about how this came about, what was going through your head, uh, what kind of conversations you've had that led you to write this. Look, this is not, at the end of the day, about free speech because I, whether people like it or not, uh, me personally and most people support free speech. There are always gonna be racists and haters. 
this is about a university condoned conference, university professors, university supported, and the inability of leadership to exercise any sort of moral clarity with respect to saying, this is hate, this is anti-Semitism, this is racism, but we're going to allow it. That condemnation should not be so hard. You know, microaggressions are condemned with extreme moral outrage, and yet violence, particularly violence against Jews, anti-Semitism, seems to have found a place of tolerance on the campus uh, protected by free speech. Uh, President McGill is not an anti-Semite. President McGill is just not capable of exercising moral leadership. Love the line there. So I, so I don't know anything, obviously, about the president, but, if, but it, beyond what I'm hearing related to this, I don't think it's useful or, um, or it's, it's useful or it's likely untrue, let's say, that she's an anti-Semite, like that the president of UPenn like hates Jews, but he's right. What she is is a coward, a moral coward, which also gets us back to the Pete Davidson thing at the beginning, right? That there's this group of people that at these universities, they've called for microaggressions and safe spaces. We've been doing this for years, right, guys? Years and years. I've been called a Nazi and an alt-right because I was mocking this stuff for years. That's what they've been doing at colleges. Then they get a group, a bunch of kids out there calling for genocide, tearing down uh, you know, leaflets and posters of kids who are kidnapped, blah, 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 blah. Nobody condemning any of the outrageous things that have happened. And not only do they allow it on campus, and we can have that discussion related to free speech. I believe in free speech and free expression. There, there are some caveats around that related to when you start calling for the death of people, it could be a problem. But, it's, but as his point is, it's not just that they're allowing it, right? He, and he wants it to be allowed within the confines of the law. It's that they won't issue a statement saying, oh, there is a clear moral uh, position here to take, which is that killing innocent people is bad, right? Burning babies alive is bad. So now I want to go to another clip. And you know, I've mentioned I've mentioned Dan Bongino and I've mentioned Megan Kelly and, and Jordan Peterson. I want to put Glenn Beck in that group. And, and there's many others, by the way, who've been so morally clear on this. But but one of my good buddies over the last couple of years doing this, Clay Travis, Clay comes out of the world of sports, right? He was like, a, he never worked for ESPN, but he was like an ESPN guy. He's built outkick.com. He's done incredible stuff and he's become a great cultural commentator as well. And he's also been going after identity politics uh, with the same veracity that I have because he has seen it, where I talk about it from a political perspective, he's seen it, how it's destroyed ESPN. It's destroyed professional sports and all of these things. And watch how he combines, and he does a great job here. This is one of the things I've been talking about and it's important because you need to understand this is connected. It's not just something happening over there. It's something happening here in the United States. He connects the insanity of identity politics to the upside down conclusion that so many people have come to when it comes to Hamas and Israel. I couldn't believe what I saw happen all over this country and all around the world. There have been people deciding to celebrate the murder of all these innocent Jews. You may have seen it on the steps of the Sydney Opera House. You may have seen it in Times Square. You may have seen it in Dearborn, Michigan. You might think to yourself, how in the world does this happen? And it's because of identity politics. Because when you allow identity politics to govern your worldview, it's toxic. The majority of the Democrat Party now believes that the Palestinians are the right side and the Jewish people are the wrong side in terms of who you should support. The people who have been arguing that if you share opinions that they dislike, you are a Nazi, are unable to condemn and unwilling to condemn the actual mass slaughter of Jews that is the largest since the Nazis did it. And it's all because of identity politics. You know, I've sent a lot of texts 
in the last, uh, what, 10 days or so, uh, telling certain people that I'm, I'm proud that they're doing what they're doing and I'm proud to be friends with them and I will remind me to text Clay uh, after this. Uh, but guys, it doesn't start in college, right? I think this is the other part of this that's confusing people. This has been rotten to the core of all of our public education. So for this, what were we talking about a, a year ago? A year ago, it was, it was so much about don't say gay and Ron DeSantis fighting wokeness in schools and getting, uh, you know, when they wanted this AP African-American studies course also to teach gender queer theory, that they have rotted the minds of our children well before they get into college, right? College is supposed to teach you how to think, not what to think, but they've already broken their brains by the time they get there. So I wanna show you this, this is from Ohio State. This is their diversity, equity, and inclusion faculty, right? This is, a, this is the, the whole concept of a diversity, equity, and inclusion department. It's DEI, but they should really call it diversity, inclusion, equity, D-I-E, right? Because they, in essence, want the rest of us to die. And that is what they want, ultimately. They're out on the streets cheering for it. Uh, here is Ohio State's DEI faculty discussing edu educational topics for white and black kids K through 12, K through 12. These people are absolute racist frauds, go. We need a Black Lives Matter movement if Black Lives Matter in the schoolhouse, right? Um, so in many respects, you know, we begin kind of this white supremacy understanding, this anti-Black understanding through K-12 education. The first time that school children are introduced to Black people historically is through the narrative of enslavement, right? Through the narrative of oppression, right? Through the narrative of white domination, right? Um, so, so here, as we talk about anti-Blackness, it's like, okay, well, you are forever a slave, right? Should we really be centering white people and whiteness in a time of political uprise that's centering black people? So language is a part of this, right? Garrett, right, DJ, we know this. Language is a part of white domination. White uh, language is a part of white supremacist thought. And so I have this hashtag that I do on Twitter, save black English, right? Black English. Black English. You know who speaks black English? Speak English. Black, black English. It's, this, I, we, I wish we had grabbed the clip of the guy speaking jive in airplane. What are we doing? What are we doing? It's so insane. Everything they said there was so insane. The first time people get introduced to black people is through white domination and slavery. I, I had a good friend in elementary school. I think he was my first black friend. We didn't really think about it that way. His name was Tyrone. We used to play He-Man and G.I. Joe. I wasn't trying to think about white domination. Fuck! Now I probably woke up the kids. Now I'm really screwed. Uh, all right. It but okay, you see my point, guys. I'm trying to let you can see how what they've done is they break these kids' brains, right? So they, they, now you have kids with broken brains who suddenly no kid is racist. There is no child born into this world who is racist. Suddenly you're in third grade and you're playing with your, what do kids play with now? I was playing with G.I. Joe and He-Man, but what would a third grader play with now? Ninja Turtles? I feel like they're always around, right? So you're playing Ninja Turtles with your friend and then some teacher tells you that, that that's because of white supremacy because uh, Splinter was white or Splinter, I guess, was Asian, but the turtles, you get it. None of it makes sense. Whatever I just said makes as little sense as what these people are being taught, okay? That's the point. A little more, a little more. Here's a woke science teacher admitting that they inject race into elementary school. Science, race, elementary school, so that they can train the mind of the young person. It goes back to the curriculum, what you're talking about in the class 
and how to infuse um, issues around race and culture and class um, into the subject matter. And as a science teacher, I have to do that intentionally. And um, because I'm a person of color, I'm always looking at it from, a, from that lens anyway. So I'm gonna incorporate that into the classroom. I don't know where this lady's teaching, but she needs to be fired. And that's not cancel culture. That would be actual accountability. She's telling you as a science teacher, as a person of color and a science teacher, I have to figure out a way to make science about race. Science has nothing to do with race. There have been bananas crazy scientists over time who've tried to racialize science to make it seem that some people are less than others, which I, I guess actually is what these type of people are trying to do. But do you see, again, do you see? And then years go by. And then they've been taught racism in science class. And they've been taught all of this crazy stuff and boys or girls and blah, blah, blah. And then they get to college and you have a teacher that's telling you that the people who were beheaded are the bad guys. And then next thing you know, you are literally walking down the streets of Times Square holding up a fucking Taliban flag. And this is, I guess you could say, problematic. Here's Robin D'Angelo. She is a white woman who has been uh, one of the biggest race hucksters. I'm fairly certain she's become a millionaire doing this. Charges like 50 grand a pop for a speech. Uh, this, this one. Uh, thank God we did something funny today. I needed it. Um, here she is suggesting that the movie Frozen, which I, again, it's for young. I have not seen Frozen because I bet you've seen Frozen. You've probably seen Frozen. Rock seen Frozen. Just <laughs> It's for kids. But here she is. Uh, pointing out that Frozen is actually promoting racism because the ideal character is white. There's this idea that children are innocent. I mean, certainly born innocent, but research shows that by age three, as early as age three, they mm. understand that it's better to be white. Wow. So let me be clear. Not that white people are better, but that it's just better to be white. Mm. And let me give you an example of, of uh, Frozen, the movie Frozen. Yes. It, it, huge this movie right I, mm -hmm. I've seen little girls all over the world with the backpacks I mean you can't watch that movie and not know that the ideal is white blue eyes blonde hair red hair that's just one example she should be in a mental institution she should be zooming from Arkham Asylum these people are completely insane uh, I have not seen Frozen but I am just willing to stake my career Take any credit that you think I might be worth on the fact that it is not out there to promote white supremacy. My nieces have frozen backpacks. Funny she mentions the backpacks. I guess that became a thing. My nieces have frozen backpacks. They are not white supremacists. Uh, Brock, who has seen you, so you're an expert in Frozen, I think we can call you. There was a snowman character. Do you know his name? His name is Olaf. Okay. Oh, Olaf. That's nice. Like Saint Olaf. Uh, was are they? What was he? Was he a white supremacist because he was a snowman too? And, these, and, so, and then there's a woman out there. There's a white liberal woman in a city out there who says, can I pay money to see that woman talk? Like, you gotta be shitting me. Uh, but speaking of crazy people, let's get back to the government for a second because what I've been trying to show you here is that there's a reason a generation of kids are out on the streets calling for genocide. Their brains have been broken with race and with gender and everything else. And it is because of, as Clay pointed out, identity politics is because diversity, equity, and inclusion that has been pushed on our corporations and everything else, up is down, left is right. Well, here's Kamala Harris. She's apparently the vice president and she is the, she is the function of 
identity politics, right? She is only the vice president because she is black and a woman. Nobody thinks she's qualified. Nobody thinks that if Joe Biden broke a hip tomorrow or fell up the stairs again, which again is a certain skill into itself, onto itself, falling up the stairs all the time, nobody is confident that this woman could lead the world, right? It's a, it's a travesty. Uh, but here she is saying that the people who say bad things about DEI, which is modern racism, those are the bad guys. Environmental justice piece of this is extraordinarily important, and I will therefore emphasize another point. There are some forces in our country that are trying to say that it is a bad term to talk about DEI. They're trying to do with DEI what they did with woke. And we got to pay attention to that. They're trying to suggest that it is somehow wrong to talk about DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion, that it is somehow wrong to talk about the fact that when you look at, for example, the fact that I'm the first woman of color to be vice president of the United States, yep. that the piece about diversity is somehow not important. It isn't important. I already yelled enough words. It isn't important, lady. It is the reverse of what America is founded upon, which is why the entire leftist movement is going after Israel right now. Because if you think that when they're done trying to convince you that the Jews are not indigenous to the ancient land of Israel, what do you think they're going to do in the United States, right? Like, that's the point. That is the point. Nobody cares. Nobody should. And I, she just said, this is what they, the left does with everything. They create words that kind of sound good. Diversity, equity, and inclusion in the way she, well, they don't care about diversity and equity and inclusion. And look how I moved my hand when I said it. These are three very important things. And they're like this. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I would love a no, no, it's not even right. I was going to say I would love a, a black woman who is competent, who is the vice president. It's not that I would love that. I would love a competent vice president if she happened to be black. Zippity damn doodah. You are not competent, lady. You have all the wrong ideas. You were hired for all the wrong reasons. Dementia Joe announced that he was hiring you for the wrong reasons when he said, I'm going to find a black female to do it, which is exactly, by the way, what Gavin Newsom just did. With the, with the new senator that replaced Dianne Feinstein, who died a couple weeks ago, he found a black lesbian who lived in Maryland to become the senator from California. But it continues because it's not just, again, our politics now, and it's not just our education. It's, you know, it has rotted our corporations as well. So this is BlackRock CEO, Larry Fink. And you guys know BlackRock basically owns virtually everything in America at this point. They're buying private homes and they own portions of all our giant corporations and everything else. So this guy has a, an inordinate amount of power. And how? what else are they trying to now connect this to? They, they are also trying to connect wokeness to that basically America should not have borders, that it would be racist if we even had borders. So here, watch, watch this little trick that he does. Uh, he's talking about immigration and how that if we don't basically let everyone in, that it's going to cause too much wage pressure and that would be bad in essence for guys like him. Watch. We are going to uh, focus on um, if, the, whole, uh, uh, the whole idea about restricting immigration. Big topic here in Germany. Big topic in the United States. Um, we are down in the United States Oh, close to 3 million legal immigrants. We've changed the immigration policy. At the same time, there's so many job needs. And in the United States, we've had close to a trillion dollars of fiscal stimulus just beginning its J-curve. Mm. And 
these are huge job creators, and at the same time we have restricted uh, immigration, and as a result of it, you know, we see more wage pressure. So at what cost? We have in the United States a very protracted uh, strike between the auto workers and the auto companies. It has been reported that the, the union is asking for a 40% increase. So at what cost? What, you know, in the long run, what does that mean for jobs? Do mo yeah. more jobs move? Okay, so I know that that was a little bit technical, but the point is here he is, Larry Fink, in Germany, basically saying you guys should have more immigration and we should have more immigration in the United States. Now, first off, the gall to say it to Germany. Germany is, is crumbling because they allowed in over a million people in the last, what, seven years or so, right? They have massive stress on all of their systems. They have millions, now over a million people who are not German by any definition of what a German was, right? And you might have problems with some of the things that Germans have done in the past, uh, but that's not what Germans of, of today are, right? And Germany has a right to defend its borders the same way America has a right to defend its borders and Israel has a right to defend its borders and Chile has a right to defend its borders. But he's basically saying, hey, open up the borders because otherwise if you don't, we'll have too much wage pressure here and we're gonna have to pay those freaking car guys, those, those unionists, uh, more money. He's doing just fine, by the way. He's he, the guy's got to be worth what? He's probably worth four billion dollars or something insane. Anyway, it's just it's just ridiculous. Uh, but let's go let's go a little bit further. And I have to I have to be a little fast here because we got a couple things uh, this afternoon before I go get some more guns. Let's counter what Larry Fink, the BlackRock CEO, just said uh, versus a guy who is really shaking up the system. So they will not put him on CNN. Uh, RFK Jr., who has left the Democrats, just as I predicted, he hasn't become a Republican yet, but one thing at a time, I'll be doing an event with him uh, next week, by the way. Uh, here he is, I think we played this clip for you once, if I'm not mistaken, at least a portion of it, explaining how BlackRock, who Larry Fink is the CEO of, owns a majority of the S&P 500 companies and now basically own nearly 60% of single family homes in America. More importantly, there's three giant corporations BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, which own collectively, they own each other, so it's really one giant corporation, but they also own 89% of the S&P 500. They own everything. They've now decided to, to buy every single family home in America. So if they stay on the current trajectory, they will own 60% of the homes in this country, single family homes by 2030. They literally are trying to buy everything. And and the head of it, Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, is on the board of the World Economic Forum. And what they, you know, they've said, we want this great reset, which is you will own nothing and you will be happy. Well, they're on their way to making sure that we don't own anything. So you all probably have heard of people who are about to buy a home mm -hmm. and somebody comes in with at the last minute with a cash, cash or offer and, and snatches off the out of the market right and it's usually an llc with an ambiguous name but if you trace that up you'll find it's owned by blackrock wow okay you know i know we have a lot of new viewers in the last week or so and i, I want i hope you're sort of gathering the wide lens of which i'm doing today's show with that all of these things from the crazy college kid to the, the activist professor, to the DEI organizations, to the corporations like BlackRock that push unlimited immigration, that then destroy our countries, these things are all deeply 
connected right now. They are completely interwoven in our culture. And then we wonder why we have people literally calling for genocide in Times Square, right? But I wanna show you a little silver lining. Uh, you guys know I like to end the show with a silver lining and it's, and it's been tough to figure out a silver lining lately. I think there's a couple things that are, that are giving us a bit of that. One of them is that a certain amount of lefties are now waking up. I think that's one thing. I think another thing is that a certain set of people are getting a little braver to say what they think. You know, I have to say that this last 10 days, it's been sort of stressful on me personally. I'm actually at my lowest weight in about 20 years. I've been working out and eating right and everything else, but I do think it was partly uh, a little bit of the stress also and not sleeping well and everything else. And I have no doubt that many of you are going through that. Uh, the silver lining is not uh, my weight loss. Uh, the silver lining is that uh, like some people are saying what is true. They're getting, they're getting more inclined to do that. There were parts of me last week that I was like, oh, do I even want to do this? Like, what am I doing? I got into this to talk about the news in a kind of funny way and silly way and all that. That's, I think, why most of you guys love me or support me or whatever it might be. Um, but now I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, it's not even a question, right? It's, it's, it's off the table. But the other silver lining is that there are some politicians trying to make some sense of this. And, and for God's sakes, people, they need our support. So Nikki Haley went out there and, and said a very kind of butchered statement that we should basically be taking some Gaza refugees in and we should, our, our border people should figure it out. They should be able to delineate what their views are and who supported Hamas and who didn't. And it's like, if you think that that's possible, and if you think America should be taking anyone else in while we have so many problems, it's just absolutely insane. And Ron DeSantis, who has been this entire way, I mean, he's always presidential, but for the last 10 days, he's been super presidential. He sent a bunch of planes from Florida to Israel. He got 300 people out, okay, uh, out of a war zone. Where's the administration? I have no idea. Uh, here's DeSantis going after Nikki Haley for uh, her confusion around the Gaza refugee situation. To that point, you, you've made it very clear that you do not think the U.S. should take in any refugees uh, from Gaza. One of the reasons you gave for that is you said that all the people in Gaza are anti-Semitic. You have received some pushback on that, including from some Republicans, including some of your Republican opponents. Nikki Haley, for example, said today that, quote, America has always been sympathetic to the fact that you can separate civilians from terrorists. She also said that many of these people want to be free from this terrorist. That's not the question. It's not the question of whether they're all terrorists. In Gaza, they teach the kids to hate Jews. If you look at the textbooks, Israel is not on the map of the Middle East. And so this is embedded in the culture. I think it's a very toxic culture. I think that's part of the reason Gaza turned to Hamas and the idea, you know, they elected Hamas and there's a lot of support for Hamas there. So that's a very toxic culture. And I worry about importing that to our country. And this was really bracing for me to watch when the blood wasn't even dry off these Israeli citizens who were victimized by Hamas. You had people in our own country celebrating Hamas. Look, I get it. Nikki Haley would import people. That's been her per position. I get that. That's she not wants to. Her stance, she, but she says well, I, I would not import. And, I would not import. I'm don't. willing to speak the truth. She's trying to be politically correct. She's trying to please the media and people on the left. Uh, I don't care about that. I'm going to speak the truth and let the chips fall where I they mean, may. And what do I say about truth all the time? Notice he doesn't have to twist himself. It doesn't seem like he has to try to like oh my God, I said this that time. And no, it's completely consistent with everything else he said. Nikki, unfortunately, and I, I personally like her, we've, she's had dinner at my house. Um, 
she unfortunately in this, she's doing something to placate a little bit of the crazies. And most politicians do that. And Ron DeSantis does not do that. But I want to add a little more teeth to Ron DeSantis's argument there. Putting aside anti-Semitism, let's say, let's say again, let's say they're not anti-Semites. They're okay with the Jews. Fine. How do you think it'll go for the chicks, the lesbos, the gay guys, the bisexuals, the woke-haired people, or just anyone who is liberal in nature if you bring these people in? Here's Ann Coulter on Tim, uh, Tim Pool's podcast. Here's the ter more terrifying reality is that all, all, the, all the reporters that we've talked to who've covered this said it's mostly young women being raped by the human traffickers. Mm -hmm. It's not, no, it's not condoms. It's, they, they don't care about any of that. Well, that's uh, back to your point on the um, Christian um, underlying of, of our freedom. And we are the freest country in the world. I mean, anyone who comes from any other country, any, any immigrant to Finland makes it less white. It's a very, very white country. Any immigrant to America makes it less free. We are shockingly the freest country in the world in so many ways that other cultures do not understand. And one of the things that our media, is, as Dinesh says, there is there is an operation going. It's, it's I've never seen so much collective lying. Um, but um, the rape cultures around the country are going to be Quite a surprise for the feminists. I mean, well, this, this, let me just tell forget. you, ladies, you never had it so good let's as with American forget. men. You know, she's laughing as she says it, but the rape culture, again, put aside the Jews. If you are a woman, if your mother is a woman, uh, if your sister is a woman, or extrapolate that any which way you know how, do you know that rapes in Britain, in Germany, in Sweden, rapes are off the charts. Women are afraid to walk alone in big cities because they have imported these people. They have different views as, it's, as it relates to women and minorities and everything else. If you picked any of these countries, any of the Arab countries, how's it going for minorities? There basically are none. How's it going for religious minorities? How's it going for Christians? Forget the Jews. How's it going for Christians in all these countries? There are about 20 Coptic Christians left in Egypt. Okay, and Egypt is a little more westernized, let's say, than some of these other countries. So we all know this is true. We all know it's true, and, and it's only gonna work, or, or we're only gonna stop it if we acknowledge it, right? We know what's true, actually. We're not afraid to tell our friends what's true and help them wake up, and then we vote for good people, say like Ron DeSantis, but I, I don't mean to make this all about him. We need good governance across the board. So the other thing that's happening domestically right now is obviously, what, a week and a half ago, uh, Matt Gates teamed up with all of the Democrats to take out Kevin McCarthy. You can think that was good, bad, or indifferent, but they knew the new uh, leader of the House. Uh, and it looks like it is going to be Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan, I think, has been an excellent congressman, which is a very a rare statement. Uh, I've had him on the show many times. He really gets it on free speech. He gets it on big tech. He gets it on wokeness and what the, what the problems are. Jim Jordan, about a year and a half invited me when after the election, he invited me to speak to a group of congressional Republicans about big tech. Like he, he gets what's happening in this country uh, and it looks like he's gonna be the next speaker. We, we, he damn well better be and here he is uh, talking about, this is yesterday, talking about what might happen today. How many votes are you willing to go through tomorrow? Are you gonna just going to just We need to get a speaker tomorrow. Um, the American people deserve to have their Congress our House of Representatives working, um, and we can't have that happen to get a speaker, so we need to do that. Plus, we need to be helping Keep our, going our dearest friend and colleague, uh, our, our dearest friend and 
and closest ally uh, Israel, we need to help them as well. Keep going over sure. and over again. Tomorrow you expect multiple roll call Well, look, tomorrow. I felt good walking into the conference. I feel even better now. we got a few more people we want to talk to, listen to, uh, and then we'll have a vote tomorrow. Look, if you care about America and you think any of this matters and who's the speaker and, and what Congress is doing, it's like this guy is more, let's say, to the right of a Kevin McCarthy. He's a little more in the Gates camp, but he fully gets it. He's not a radical. He's not a racist or anything else. So there is some political solution here. Imagine if we had a president like DeSantis who could be clean and clear and tell us the truth and not worry about polls and didn't have the drama. And then we had a Republican House and a leader of the House who could then go out there and, and push for the right policies and make those things happen. We do have elections in this country, at least for now. So maybe, maybe we can start getting some of the right people. I just want one more, one more thing. Uh, this is from Benny Johnson talking about what's going on with Jim Jordan right now. Uh, he wrote, Breitbart reports phone lines are melting on Capitol Hill over the speaker race. Your voices are being heard. You are making a difference in the speaker race. Grassroots energized GOP unity behind Jim Jordan's speakership bid. I haven't seen anything like this in years. One top GOP aide told Breitbart News, they are literally melting the phone lines. Some office numbers are permanently busy. Thousands and thousands of people are calling their members of Congress demanding Jordan for speaker. Keep the pressure on, call your representatives and tell them how you feel. 202-225-3121. How about you give them a call? Actually, when I'm on the way to the gun shop, I'm gonna give them a call in the car. There you go. Woo, a little of everything today. Hot diggity damn. If you haven't subscribed, please do at rumble.com slash Ruben Report. Who knows how long we'll be on YouTube. Uh, if you wanna join us for a post game show and you wanna keep us independent and everything else, uh, we'll be over there in just a second at rubenreport.locals.com. And we gotta do it kinda quick because I, I got an appointment at the gun shop. So, okay, goodbye. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.